are past the Memorial Day weekend, and it has been just a a slobber knocker of a week. We just have gotten hammered every which way since uh, Monday night or Monday, yeah, Monday night. Uh, corn dropped uh, what uh, 50, 50 cents uh, at uh, by today's low. Uh, wheat was well off of uh, uh, for the week. I mean, we dropped a limit uh, on Chicago yesterday. We almost got there again here today. Uh, beans got hammered yesterday. Did manage to uh, to crawl out of the basement uh, today. Finished uh, slightly higher, but. Uh, What's going on? Is this just the inflate it going into the holiday and deflate it afterwards? There's a lot of things that are coupling together. You saw the commitment trades report with them dropping a ton of corn off. Yeah, of, 43,000 contracts. Yeah, and that's on top of what they have been doing over the last couple of weeks. The week before, it was very slight gain, but the t- two or three weeks ahead of that was liquidation. So you're coming up to the end of quarter two and getting these high watermarks in place, getting what's showing on the balance sheet for when you're going back to your investors and saying, hey, look, I'm actually able to produce something. And you're seeing that liquidation come into play. So you've got the three-day weekend, and trends sometimes change around three-day weekends. You've got all the news that we've been seeing, whether it's uh, U.S. making comments on China or Russia and Ukraine, whether or not there's going to be grain that's going to be able to export and whether they're going to open that up. Um, what's going on with EU, if they're going to put the sanctions on? How much is it going to hurt? What exactly does it look like? And just continue to look at all of that with what really is just a lack of resting orders. And when you do see funds liquidate, or anyone liquidate at that point, seeing larger movements in this market. And we're starting to see that you're at levels that are just not sustainable. Crude above 115, beans above 17, wheat above really 12.50, 13 bucks, corn above 750. Things along those lines, just unsustainable levels. You're, uh, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you caught this or not. I, I didn't, I didn't look at it this week. I normally do try and look at it, but when we're talking about the fund or the fund uh, position in in corn and dropping forty three thousand contracts uh, uh, last week um, through Tuesday, were you? Did you see the breakdown of the longs versus the shorts? Was there a growing short? position or was it just liquidation from long positions it was both and that's what really helps oh, it out because you yeah. see them both go in the same direction that really puts pressure on the mark as a whole yeah so it was actually pretty equal between the liquidation and adding of shorts okay so not a great sign because you're seeing that long ratio of the fund position that's dipping below 90 percent, which it's been hovering above for uh, two years now right yeah, so. it's been, it's been a long time, and then like maybe October of twenty twenty or something like that. Yeah. Um, now, on you mentioned the crude oil and and crude oil basically <laughs> traded from Sunday night until uh, yesterday afternoon for one long continuous session, even though there were a few breaks in there. But um, what do you make of the of that market in the fact that? You are seeing the products continue to to see these these big gains, but the crude itself has put in these two really long tails uh, the last two days. You, I mean, you went up and made new contract highs for the July contract. It's still well off the continuous high that we made uh, back in March, but 
you went up and made new contract highs, and then you finished. You actually finished forty cents lower yesterday. I think it was four and a half, five dollars off the highs. You did something similar today. I think it was an inside trading session, but you had this big long move higher, and then all of a sudden it pulls back, and it's basically at scratch or or slightly higher for the day. But it's it's not really going anywhere right now. What do you what do you make of those long tails on those things? It really just goes back to that manage money, fund money type of movement. When you see recession continuing to hammer and continuing to see more and more instances of it mentioned, people like to move to cash when that happens. They take their money out of the market, they take their money out of whatever it is, and they just put it in the bank, they put it in their pocket, and they hold on to it. And I think that's what a lot of what we're seeing is going on. You're sitting here above... Anytime you get above 115 and you got people questioning, do I really want to continue to buy it? Is this something that I'm going to see a return on investment or is it something that I am going to be trying to buy the top and there's a lot of potential downside for where we typically are? Yeah. Well, I think you mentioned that uh, uh, last week or we had talked about it uh, maybe uh, off uh, offline about the uh, that 17 and a quarter, uh, 1725, 1730 area in beans is that they do not stay up there for very long. It's, it's kind of a, you know, we got there, then everybody kind of puts their hands up and says, do I really want this? Do I want to be an owner of 1725 beans? Right. Even if it is going to go to, twenty thirty five, whatever the <laughs> high numbers were being thrown out there. Historically, it's not a good place to be buying, and a lot of people know that. So do we get there? Uh, there's nothing really fundamentally to point to continuing to see jump. You see everything catching up to five-year average. You see rain falling. You're seeing things progressing. And you look for that big story of what can give us that big upwards movement, which historically has never been a very long and time frame movement, but what gives you that next panic, I need to buy this, I need to own this type of thing. And as of right now, we're just not seeing that story. Right. Well, and, and what you're also seeing and what we've seen over the course of the last uh, two to three weeks is a shift in in the weather. We know that a lot of areas were too wet this spring uh, for, in, for early planting. That's corrected itself. We've caught up on the five-year average for beans. We've caught up on the five-year average for corn for planting. We're still behind on on spring wheat plantings, but um, as we've continued to see these forecasts come out, a month, uh, about a month ago exactly, Drew came out with his forecast. Drew Lerner came out with his forecast saying, yes, we are still expecting a drought across the western corn belt uh, this year. Now what you've seen since then is you've gotten the three-month outlook from NOAA that shows they've dialed back the severity of that. Even the one-month outlook that was released yesterday from, from NOAA dials back the June outlook uh, from what it was just two weeks ago. And then we get another, uh, another email from, uh, from Drew this morning that uh, that's basically kind of follows uh, along with that and says, we're dialing that back. It is going to be maybe the first half of the growing season is going to be pretty good conditions. And then we dry out and get hot and dry in the back half. Well, that could be a similar situation to, oh, shoot, what year was it? 2019. Was it nineteen where we had the we had the very good growing season for corn and then we went dry for beans, or was that fifteen or sixteen? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Because um, there was a, there was a year where we had a great year for uh, for corn, and then we went dry in August, and it really took it took a lot out of the beans. But corn still had a heck of a year. Yeah, I I can't recall off the top of my head, but but that's the way it's setting up. Yeah, it, it it's could potentially be set up like that. But we've also had pretty much all year talking about how okay the spring is gonna be so dry well it's not as dry as we expected but it's it's gonna get drier well it's okay it's not gonna be that dry but it's it's going to get drier so it seems like in uh, my knowledge of weather is next to nothing i hate weather i think it's the worst <laughs> thing to try possible because it just drives me insane how, it seems like <laughs> it's never as bad or as good as what it's advertised and, and yeah yeah it's very emotional it's very irrational and it, it annoys me every year but we have You're to trade this guy i get it <laughs> so it's something that it seems like something in the upper atmosphere or whatever it is is changing and it's continuing to find this more cool more wet nature to it mm-hmm. and right now you're replenishing subsoil moisture if it remains dry or remains on the cooler end of things you're not going to see as much evaporation of that it's going to stay in the ground so it's well, really gonna be hard to make that a case unless it does get extremely hot and it does try out right well and and you know what's what's crazy about these uh and we'll talk specifically about the beans is and we've talked about this before is just the giveth and taketh of that market i mean it, it you last week was a prime example and even the beginning of this week is a prime example you go from say uh, where we were close to about what 1630 or so 50 or 16 dollars or so in the beans a couple of weeks ago we got ourselves back up to 1665 then it dropped off then it went back up we went up to new contract highs and then the market sells off massively yesterday i mean what 75 cents off the highs down 50 cents after making new contract highs but then this morning it just it's on fire again and then it backs off it follows the wheat and the corn is there a time where this market just goes right back to where we were at from november to say february where it's up 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 or is this market actually going to get under control and start to come back to some sort of semblance of fair value at this point it really feels like this market is going to remain in this larger sideways chop until it's done now, does who's, that who's done? I mean, is it the the funds are done, or just all the other market participants? Because it can eat you up in this dollar dollar fifty range. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a mix of everything. Once you've developed these stories and you're seeing what's going on, and you have now Brazil a couple of years in a row of that dryness period, how many years in a row are we going to be able to hang our hat on yep. South America being dry before they finally get a good season and they just absolutely pull out a monster? crop with how much land they've been adding but that's the thing like we talk about we talk about this brazil is in is not in a bad way they're planting more every single year they have for 14 or 15 years straight and last year was a record crop Mm -hmm. a record production this year it's not completed yet we don't have a final number yet but it's still somewhere near that record production from last year 
it's not a failure by any means. Now, it's not the 145 that we were talking about six months ago, but it's it, it's not a failure by any means. It's not like we went from 128 last year, 127 last year, down to sub 100. Right. We're basically at 120, 125 right now. Yeah, and it's going to be something that when they do get a Monster. good year... <laughs> It's they're going to shatter the record, and we're going to be. Are we going to be talking seven, eight dollar beans again? Uh, I don't know exactly <laughs> where it's going to go, but it's not going to look good. And yeah. That's that's where the worry is because as long as we've stayed elevated, as long as we've had these prices where they're at, eventually things do get better, and mm-hmm. we're seeing the instability as we get to this level. And we can talk about how in twenty thirty we're going to be using bean oil for bio for jet fuel jet fuel yeah whether or not that's going to actually take place or whether or not there's going to be some kind of new battery that's produced or whatever it may be 10 years for technology is generations Mm -hmm. it's you can see so much change between now and then and to hang your hat on that for long-term story uh, it's i don't know you got a lot of production in the world and a lot of things that can turn a lot more bearish than bullish at this point that's what really worries me yeah and and it seems like you know, one of the concerns or one of the things that are opportunities that is out there is, you know, we continue to hear about China increasing their their production, their own homegrown production. And they're sourcing from different places that it wouldn't normally be places that they've sourced from. They all of a sudden now have a, 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 a deal that they've struck with Brazil for corn, which they were not a buyer of Brazilian corn. They were a big buyer of Ukrainian corn for years. We've only just gotten our our toe in the mix on that with the you know with the trade deal that we had, but it's 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 just only two years in, and then when it comes to now they've they're talking with Zambia, you know what does Zambia actually produce? Is it corn beans? I think I think I heard it referred to as maize the other day, at which you know. I, effectively the same thing but are they they're not a big enough producer to to help out china but if they continue to to build on that where they're they're buying little bits from all sorts of other countries they don't necessarily need our production anymore i think one of the amazing things that really is not noticed enough is how much china has invested in these countries Mm mm-hmm they very well could invest. I mean, they're already invested, but they very well could per- up the production in these areas. They can send them seeds. They can do things along those lines, and they can have a better control. Maybe they're not doing as much production in-house, but they're not outsourcing as much as they are. They have have the investment there. They have some kind of knowledge of what's going on. they got boots on the ground. They have all of this out there. And they've really been diversifying their investments over the last decade and really gearing up for this whole thing. That is evidenced just by, you know, foreign debt that they've taken on or, you know, we they held a lot of U.S. foreign debt for for a long time. They probably still do. Um, You know, they've bought bought into the Bank of Japan, the Bank of Italy, you know, you name it. And they've. They found their way into places to either stash cash or develop, you know, developing nations. Mm-hmm. And that is your that's an absolutely great point is that 
they've done this on, uh, just to serve their own interests. It's basically putting these some of these countries under new management just so that they can control how they how they produce for China. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a you know a mob type situation. <laughs> it's kind of like the East India Trade Company for the British back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same idea, and they're just using business as a means for control. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, number one holder of U.S. debt is Japan. Number two is China. Number one holder of Japanese debt is China. Yeah. And so they do, I mean, they got their hands in absolutely everything. And it's so difficult to actually know where they are because, one, you have to get actual numbers from them. And, two, there's just so much data points to mm-hmm. review. But they they have themselves well set up for most eventualities. Well, let's talk uh, macro uh, for a little bit uh, since we are talking, you know, uh, global markets and all that stuff. But let's talk on the macro markets. You, we've talked about the Dow uh, previously. Um, we've talked, you know, equities and all that stuff. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. We just had uh, GDP came out uh, negative growth uh, f- uh, for quarter one. I think it was 1.5% uh, lower um, they were looking for 1.4% lower. Uh, so that's that's a negative. You also have CPI coming out on June 10th, which is the, uh, the same day as the next USDA report. And then you've got the FOMC meeting uh, that happens on the 14th and 15th. We'll get uh, uh, the decision on uh, uh, the rates uh, that day. Will it be a half point or will it be a three-quarter point? Um, where does all this take us? I mean, it, it doesn't... Sp- doesn't seem like with the increase in rates that we've seen so far and this is in its infancy we've only done two rate hikes so far but it it doesn't seem like we've seen any real change to inflation no and it's not really doing much i mean you have a bunch of fed members talking about how they need to get aggressive in order to curb inflation at all and you have a bunch of larger investment banks, things along those lines, saying that it's going to be next to impossible not to send this thing into a recession or to fight this inflation. So it's it just doesn't set up well, and they're trying their best, and they're, I mean, they're really just giving the market is what the market wants. Right. They're trying not to shock it as much as possible. They're staying the soft landing. Type yeah, they're situation. trying to. I mean, they're staying exactly in line with what's expected for basically everything. So that way you don't get these, which we've seen anyways, but massive sell-off days. Yeah. Now, you, um, we were talking about this, I think, last week, uh, and you, you hit the nail on the head because we had talked about um, – this was internally, this wasn't on the podcast. But we were talking about the, uh, the idea that when you've got a, a, a surging dollar up, uh, you know, as high as it is, 102 to 105, something like that, where you would expect that it puts pressure on commodities. We haven't seen that. We've actually seen a very good correlation of uh, of up movement with the dollar. So the corn follow, has been following the dollar. The wheat has been following the dollar. You want to explain how that goes against what we've kind of always held as a as kind of a, a a fixture of our markets is that a strong dollar puts a lot of pressure into the commodity space. Yeah, so that is still a thing, but it's a thing for the long run, not so much right now. And what you typically see is you see these cycles in the markets where you see bonds will turn over, then you'll see the stock market, then you'll see the commodity market, and then you'll see the currency 
top over. So you have this delayed effect of what's going on. And once the bonds topple over, eventually you see these stocks start to fall back. They need to retain some control. They need to take money Is off the table. Is that where we're at right now in that cycle? It seems that way because you already saw, I mean, you've very clearly seen bonds come off right. its highs. You've very se- clearly seen stocks come off their highs. You're starting to see commodities come off their highs because once these businesses start to dial back spending, they're not buying as much raw goods. Mm-hmm. And now you're starting to see that topple over. When that topples over and you still see a strong dollar, well, you don't have as much foreign entities buying the raw goods. So, Exports. Yeah. So right. those commodities keep going lower. And then you start to see the dollar topple over in order to try and bring back business to the U.S. and start to buy bonds and start to buy back into the stock market. As the stocks are jumping up and they have more available capital, now they start buying and producing more, which means that there's more demand for these raw materials, which then means that more people are using a reserve currency. So then the dollar starts to bottom out. And it's just this cyclical movement that goes across the four really big asset classes is this like a is this like a, a a multi-year super cycle type thing or is this just a as warranted type uh type move uh you can see both i mean you see them on a, a more macro or micro scale and you'll see just very small movements especially as we have a good steady growth to the market you'll see those start to move in tandem but since it's so steady you don't notice as much but when you have these larger movements in the market that's when you really can pick at and say i I can 100 percent see it without even diving into the micros of it the macro scale is just very evident right so it's definitely something to watch and something that eventually we will fall back into that idea of a weaker dollar means better price or not better prices but better demand for our goods sure which would help boost us back up and gotcha So a lot of fun, a lot of things to be watching. If you guys ever have any questions, please give us a call, 800-2-MARKET. That's 800-262-7538. But today for Allen Delamarket Talk, this is Mike Lung and Greg McBride signing off. Have a great one.